let me ask you, do you move well, eat well, and sleep well? Do you feel that modern medicine is looking out for your best interest? Do you know how to take care of your body so you can stay pain-free and in the activities you love? Do you know what options you have? If not, that's a problem, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Trevor Folter, and welcome to the Green Bay Health Project Podcast. The Green Bay Health Project Podcast is sponsored by Movement Performance and Rehabilitation, where we help the athletes and active adults move better, perform better, stay pain-free, and in the sports and activities that they love. We do this by focusing on their movements and optimizing their mobility, stability, and strength. Your body is your greatest tool, and when you move better, you feel better, and you thrive. So head to movementgb.com, that's mvmtgb.com, to learn how we can help you stay active and pain-free for life. Hey everyone, I'm Erica from the Green Bay Health Project Podcast, and I'm here with Abby McLaughlin and her daughter, actually, Mallory, is sitting with us too. Um, she is from Mal's Milky Way, and uh, I'm excited to have her on the podcast. One, it's usually Trevor behind the podcast um, hosting, but uh, you get me today instead, and Abby, who is a lactation consultant that I'll be working with um, as I'm a first-time mom. So I'm really excited to have her on and pick her brain and um, learn more about her business. So welcome, Abby. Thank you so much for having us. And it's just perfect that Mallory gets to join us today because she's the one who inspired my business, Mal's Milky Way, right? (laughs) I love that. I love that. Yeah, dive into the background of how you got started and um, your experience. Yeah, so um, I am a registered nurse um, as my background um, and was working as a nurse during the height of COVID um, in 2020. So I was pregnant with Mallory and she's our first daughter. Um, and I was actually in a car accident with her at 28 weeks pregnant. And following that, had a pretty traumatic um third trimester of our pregnancy and which filed through into a traumatic labor and delivery. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the traumatic breastfeeding experience, unfortunately. So, um, with my background as a nurse, I really thought that I like knew enough that I would be okay. And then we got home and I was like, boy, was I wrong. (laughs) So, um, because obviously with COVID there wasn't any birthing classes or breastfeeding classes. So we just kind of had to weigh in at the time. Um, so after my experience, I kind of set out to change the way for moms, um, cause no one should have to sit and sob through feeding their infant and stress about making sure their baby's getting enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you have been in business for how long now? Um, so I started in July of 21. So right before Mallory was a year old is when I opened. That's so awesome. And you are um, a lactation consultant. Um, yes. And you then uh, go into hospital settings at all, or do you strictly work privately one-on-one in homes? So I am a private independent practice. Um, and I started out my business when I was just a certified lactation counselor. Um, but now I just passed my IBCLC. So I'm an international board certified lactation consultant. So yay to that, um, which is wonderful because now I can take on more complicated cases and things like that. Um, and I can go into hospital settings. And sometimes with my private clients, I do go into hospital settings. 
Um, so I love to meet moms while they're pregnant and follow them all the way through their breastfeeding journey. So I have met some moms in the hospital, like right after delivery, if that's what they would like. Um, but I'm primarily seeing them in their homes and virtually. Otherwise, I am come August opening up my first um, office right above Women's Care in Appleton. Oh, that's so exciting. That's for you. You're just Thank you. serving a whole nother community, which is going to be amazing. Yes. So, and it's going to be great with the um, location because it's right above the OB practice. So I'm really hoping with the location that um, we can kind of coincide and have people come in to see me with their postpartum checks and things like that. Yeah, so there must be a huge benefit to um, working with you throughout pregnancy versus waiting until something happens, right? Yes. So that is my primary goal is to meet moms while they're pregnant um, so we can kind of get a little bit ahead of the game. So number one, breastfeeding is a super vulnerable experience, and um, it's nice to develop the relationship with the lactation consultant prior to needing one, right? Um, and I always joke that I love to meet people before they have to show me all their goodies, right? <laughs> so uh, to make it a little bit easier on everybody, um, and especially when you're struggling, it's so much easier to call on somebody when you already have a relationship with them. <laughs> um, so, so, and two, it's nice to know um, prep work to go into ahead of time. And I love to just give the information that you need at the time. So I love to do one-on-one -on -one prenatal classes and I have done group classes as well, but I love to just focus on what's the best way to get the best start into the breastfeeding relationship instead of what does the whole journey look like? Because I feel like it's so much information to try to remember what could be a two plus year journey for people. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, um, meeting you and thinking, oh, I'll, I'll wait until baby's here and I get started breastfeeding, that we can start that way. Um, but the consult that I had with you, the class that I had with you, opened my eyes completely to all the things that I didn't know about breastfeeding. I mean, what we know is on Hollywood or what our family says or our girlfriends are saying that have kids. And, and honestly, mm -hmm. like you said, everybody's journey can be very different. And I yes. think learning some of the things that you told me through the class was way more beneficial and felt, and I felt more confident, you know, I haven't had the baby yet, but I feel more confident <laughs> going into this and having a little bit of an idea of uh, different uh, cute, like feeding cues and even knowing um, kind of the expectations, you know, the first couple of weeks so that I'm just not guessing, right. It's nice to have something right. on your side supporting you too. Yes. And like you said, everybody's journey can be so different. And that's something that I love to help women establish their own um, journey, what they want that to look like, because there's 101 ways to give breast milk nowadays. So I love to encourage moms to do what feels right to them and their lifestyle, because that's the only way we're going to be successful, right? So true. So true. So um, tell me, what do you feel like is like the biggest question that um, moms ask you when it comes to feeding their babies? Oh, that's a big question. Um, I feel like the biggest one is always like how to get a good latch. Like, okay. I feel like that's what moms are stressing about before their babies come. Um, and honestly, it's so difficult to answer that because every baby's different and every mom is different. 
So um, it's really hard to say, but we go over the basics um, in classes on how to get a good latch. But I always try to encourage moms to really not worry about it until um, their baby comes and we'll just see what happens. Sure, because it could be very natural for mom and baby, or you might struggle a little bit, and that's okay too. And that's where you can come in and and help. Yeah, exactly. What would you say to someone that uh, just said that breastfeeding experience was so painful, and that's just kind of how it is, and, you know, good luck? Yeah. So unfortunately, I feel like that is something that flies around on social media is that yeah, yeah, this is what it is. Um, and that's not really the case. Um, breastfeeding is definitely a learned practice and getting a good deep latch is super important, especially in the early days, because um, that is going to help with nipple pain and things like that. And typically there's a reason why you have pain, um, whether it's a poor latch or something with your anatomy or baby's anatomy, whatever it may be, but breastfeeding should never hurt every once in a while because it's a practice thing. Um, sometimes we do get a little like nipple trauma in the first couple of days while baby's learning. Um, so that's normal to have a little bit of pain until we get a good latch every single time. Um, but until that settles, it's really not normal to have pain. Um, and I want to kind of break that stigma that breastfeeding hurts and it is what it is because it shouldn't have to be that way. We shouldn't have to dread feeding our babies, right? Right, absolutely. How long do you, would you say it takes before uh, babies develop a good latch? Um, so it really, again, depends on the baby, but I think a lot of times too, it really makes a difference with positioning. Sure. Um, so I think when you're in a calm environment and we learn the best when we're in a calm environment too, right? So I think promoting good routine around feeding times, um, and helping the baby and mom both learn, um, good habits basically. So some babies can learn how to get a great latch within the first day or two. And sometimes it takes a couple weeks. So it really just depends, which I know is an awful answer <laughs> because everybody just wants to know. Um, but really, it just depends because everybody's journey is different. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know some people are quick to, to um, you know, after the first day, they've given up. It's, you know, it's just a lot. They don't feel like they're getting, the baby's getting enough milk. And so they're like, maybe we should switch to formula right away or go to the pump or whatever it may be. And so um, it sounds like what you're saying, though, is it can take time days sometimes weeks and, yep. and that's okay yeah and what I always tell everybody is that on average it takes about 12 weeks to establish a good breastfeeding relationship which sounds really daunting and in our society that's the time most women go back to work so it's right. really challenging because you're like oh I'm just getting the hang of this and now I'm going to be separated from my baby so um our society as a whole doesn't really say Mallory, please, really set us up for success um, with that. So unfortunately, with that statistic, um, it's kind of nice to know ahead of time because then I feel like moms can give themselves a little bit more grace with that period. Like, it's okay that this isn't coming together within the first week. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. When you told me that in our class, that it can take up to 12 weeks for um, – 
you guys to get, get in a good routine between you and your baby, I was I was shocked because, like you said, <laughs> you, the leave. I mean, even the average um, U.S. maternity leave is even less than that, and so right. then you're struggling again, going back into work, maybe part time, full time, while also trying to make sure a baby is fed, and um, so. I could go down a rabbit hole about that even on its right. <laughs> but, and like you said, it depends and you have to be patient as well. Yeah. And, and like for me personally, struggling. yeah, go ahead. Um, for me personally, like with Mallory, it didn't get easy for us until she was about five months old. Um, and then with my second Margaret, we got, got it going in like less than a week. So, and every journey is different. Every kid is different. Yes. Yes. Um, so I just tell people to be patient and you just get to learn your baby and learn yourself and just give each other grace. Absolutely. Absolutely. I find it fascinating too, that your um, milk changes so much through your breastfeeding journey based on what baby needs, not necessarily what you're putting into your body, but what your baby needs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So our breast milk is continually changing and it is so incredible. Um, it changes from like feeding to feeding and, um, from day to day and from morning to night. And it does, it can change sometimes depending on what we eat or drink. Um, but yeah, to the baby's needs too, which is great. Um, which is something I also love to tell moms because again, on social media, people are, you know, posting about how they have, you know, 5,000 ounces in their freezer and how as baby gets older, they're going to be eating seven, eight ounces, um, which isn't the typical um, because, because while um, baby grows, our milk composition will change and it'll increase in calories and protein and fat um, for them to accommodate their needs. So you could have bless you the same amount like you could be pumping four ounces their your entire breastfeeding journey but the milk content is different to meet their needs which is so cool that is pretty amazing I mean, our bodies and are amazing they continue to get surprised but even right alone, like your the milk that you produce is everything that your baby needs right right yep yeah, and um, it should be for the first year of its life, right? Which is crazy, too, that our bodies can not only grow them, but nourish them for everything they need for a year and beyond. What, do you, what is your um, experience or opinion on the, the very early stages of your milk when it comes in, like, the classroom? I know that's a big thing on social media right now is saving that. Yeah. So I feel like that is definitely a hot topic. And I really tell moms that it depends on your needs and what you want. Um, Obviously, always talk to your healthcare provider because you want to make sure that it's safe for your pregnancy. There's always a risk um, to go because it releases oxytocin, which can make your body start having contractions. Um, so you want to just make sure that you don't do it too early because we never want to put ourselves into preterm labor, um, and always make sure that you're not a high risk pregnancy and that you talk with your, um, care provider about that. Um, but really saving colostrum, it really just depends on you. I know some people love to save it for if their baby ever gets sick because it has so many antibodies, um, and things like that to protect their babies, but also 
in the time that they're sick or that we're sick, our milk's making exactly what they need to protect them from exactly what they're sick with. So in my opinion, I feel like it's better to give them that while they're sick, you know? Um, so it really just depends. But of course, extra immune boost every once in a while is never a bad thing. So if moms are just like leaking and it doesn't bother you to collect it, sure, why not? Um, I know some people will collect colostrum to try to put themselves into labor towards the end, you know, so it really just doesn't, doesn't um, make a big difference. I, with my second, decided to collect a little bit of colostrum because I had gestational diabetes. So I was worried about, um, you know, my daughter's blood sugar. And when I say, when I, when I say I collected a little bit of colostrum, I mean like, literally two mls so not not because in the first days of life they really only need drops and i knew that i would be nursing her at the breast so it was really just a little extra in case we were worried about her blood sugar at any point so it was more so just to have it in case we needed to supplement but it's definitely not a necessity and i always tell people nowadays if your baby ever has to go to the nicu or something happens majority of hospitals have um donor milk available always an option I think people don't right. realize that too that there is donor milk available yeah exactly how do you know if uh your baby is getting enough to eat so that is always a difficult thing yeah. um, especially when you're nursing um because you can't obviously measure like a bottle, how much that they're eating. So that's why in our one-on-one class, I love to go through feeding cues. And I actually have a PDF um, that I can give to people that go over feeding cues and early versus late feeding cues, because it's really important to know how to read your baby for when they're hungry and when they're satisfied. Um, so, and that's another thing that our society doesn't do a great job of preparing moms for is because I feel like you're in the hospital and they say, oh, your baby, your baby should eat. She's just singing along with us. Um, yeah, she's got an opinion on this too. <laughs> <laughs> your baby should be eating like every two to four hours kind of thing. Um, but really babies should be fed on demand. And as a mammal species, our milk, our milk has the highest water content. So it's actually normal for babies to eat like every half an hour to an hour in the first like days, even weeks of life, depending on the mom's milk content. Um, so I think that that is a huge misconception because then you go home and you're like, holy man, she's not getting enough because she's eating all the time. When in fact, that's what, what their bodies and what our milk is meant to do. Yeah. Do you feel like we try to force our babies, especially newborns, into this routine right away that's just not really yeah. possible? Like, okay, they need to eat every two, and, and then it doesn't always work that way because you have clusters. Yeah. And things like that. Exactly. Well, and that's another, that's another misconception is that um, our society tells us that we should be like nester mammals, right? Where we should swaddle our babies and put them in the bassinet or put them in the swing and they'll be okay, you know, to let them nap for an hour or two and like develop that routine. Um, but babies really need to be with their moms um, and we should be caring mammals because like our milk content says that they should be eating all the time. So her baby should be on us at all times. So trying to force a routine on them, I feel like is near impossible. And we put so much pressure on ourselves to be like, they should be doing that. They should be doing this. When in reality, we just need to listen to what they need because unless 
um, there's something wrong with our infants, they should be able to tell us everything that they need, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that was also a fascinating thing that I did not know is that I'm a very structured, routine person. Like if I can, you know, put myself in a routine, I do better. So I think, okay, everybody in my life, including my newborn, needs to be on a routine too. And then they're going to function to the best of their abilities. And, you know, if you look at just our ancestors and even just, like you said, our, how our milk is uh, made anyways, it's not the case at all. Like you said, we're mammals and not, not those nasty animals. Right, exactly. And sure, I think older babies and toddlers could benefit from a routine, but I think it takes a while to establish that. And I think they start to tell us when they're ready for that. What do you think about... Um, I, I just actually was scrolling on social media this morning and I was like, I got to ask Abby about this because I thought it was crazy. Um, one of like, the caption of this picture said, uh, bottles make babies lazy. Mm. So, so what, what is like the, you know, why are people saying that? What is your yeah. thought process on that? So, I mean, it can, in a sense, um, if we're, just dumping the bottle down and then they don't have to work to drink right and they're just like sweet free flowing milk here we go um but that's why it's really important to pace bottle feed um for so many reasons even if you're going to be a formula feeder um or an exclusive pumper bottle feeder pace bottle feeding is incredibly important um it actually is scientifically proven that pace bottle feeding can help decrease childhood obesity because all kids learn to listen to their bellies when they eat rather than thinking of the happy plate club. Um, because sometimes when we dump the bottle down, we think, Oh, they have to finish all four ounces. But when we pace bottle feed, um, which I also have a PDF handout too, to teach people how to do that. Um, it allows us to watch the baby's cues. So they only get the milk when they're actively suckling on the bottle. Um, and then we kind of force them to give them a little break and then go again, um, give them more milk when they start to suckle again. So it kind of allows them to pace themselves like they would at the breast, um, and it allows them to end the feeding when they're full instead of just trying to finish the bottle. Because sometimes yeah, babies exactly. will just suck and suck and suck for comfort, right? Um, so it really just depends. I think that's interesting. I think a lot of moms are maybe um, – they, they choose to go to the bottle or the pump because of convenience and that works with their lifestyle and that is mm-hmm. all good, right? And then yeah. some pe- women are are nervous to go from uh, solely breastfeeding to a bottle because they feel like, oh, I'll never get that time, you know, again at the breast, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think yeah. it, it, it's just different person to person, right? What they need. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I encourage moms to, to sometimes not even have a plan because what your plan or goal before baby comes might totally change the day after they're born. Right. And that's okay. So I think just listening to ourselves and what works best is going to be what's most important. Absolutely. Because sometimes maybe you might need a break at 2 a.m. when you've been sleeping not at all and you're like you know what I do need my husband or my partner for the baby instead of it coming from you right and and that's okay too or if you want to solely breastfeed you can do that as well 
And even like the difference with my daughters is like, I really struggled with Mallory feeding her. And at night I did need that break. So I needed to pump and let my husband bottle feed. And then with our second Margaret, it was so easy for me that I never needed a break from breastfeeding. So it's just incredible too how different journeys can be between kids. And I love to say that too, for second, third time moms who didn't have a great experience is like, you can have a different experience too. We just have to surround ourselves with the good support. Now, what are some other things that people typically seek you out for? Or I, I know it could be like more of trying to get the latch engaged more, but is there anything else that people um, will seek you out for services-wise because they're struggling with something else? Yeah. Um, another huge thing that I feel like I work with a lot of moms on is preparing how to go back to work because um, that's something that they definitely don't teach you in the hospital right after you give birth is like, okay, I've been exclusively nursing, but now I'm going back to work. So what does that transition look like? Um, which it is a big change, right? Um, but sometimes it's really helpful to sit down and calculate like how much milk do you actually need when you're going back to work? Because I think, again, we put our pressure on ourselves to have this huge freezer stash before we go back to work so they have enough. Um, so kind of working through some of those fears and working through good pumping techniques to make sure that um, we're pumping enough to feed our babies while we're gone. And you also help with uh, transition to solid foods too, right? Yes. Um, and like to clarify that too, I'm not like an expert on baby led weaning or anything of the sorts, but the breastfeeding experience does change when we start feeding solids and things look different. So I love to be a guide during that time to make sure that um, your supply doesn't dip and you're able to still nourish your baby that way as well. And that's got to be a different, you know, journey for person to and and kid to yeah. kid, right? I mean, yeah, I think well, it's again a routine it's that we're like, okay, by this many months, they need to be on this avocado yeah. and this potato, yes. and it's like, nope, it, that's not always the case either. Right, and again, every baby's different, and that's like the advice, mom to mom advice that I always give is just waiting till your baby's like developmentally ready for solids, and there's so many signs to watch for, like. Um, sitting up independently and um, being able to put their hand to their mouth um, and making sure that they're not kind of like tonguing the solids out um, to make sure that they're ready for solids. And that might look like five months for one baby and 10 months for another baby. So it really just depends. But I think that goes for nursing too. We just follow our baby's leads. Yeah, you got to have an intuition not only for yourself, but with, for your baby too. And that's yeah that's important just from the the get-go it sounds like even and when you have that skin to skin and those initial feedings and you're developing that yes. relationship learning the cues uh i mean i can't ex speak yet from experience but you and it seems the process. very yeah it seems like a very overwhelming task to be able to like oh my gosh how am i ever going to know what my baby needs but it's amazing how the motherly instinct just kicks in yeah, that's that's what we're made for, right? I mean, if it comes down to it, you gotta just not think about what social media is saying, what your friends or family are saying. You know, trust your gut, trust what yes. you know your motherly instincts are. Exactly, because everybody will tell you a million and ten ways that you need to be parenting or doing something with your babies, right? So we just gotta follow what's right for us and them. Exactly.
What are some other stigmas or things that you feel like you come across a lot in your practice? Um, something that I actually talk about in my one-on-one classes is um, the, the reality of what newborn and postpartum life looks like. I feel like, I feel like our society sets us up for failure in that way. And I feel like nowadays a little bit more people are being a little bit more transparent about what the postpartum period looks like, but we don't talk about like the diapers and the pads and the bleeding and things like that and healing our body and how sometimes, you know, how baby being up all the time, it's a rough transition and that's okay. But I think people don't talk about it and they just expect like, oh, hey, you popped out this baby. You look great. You're doing great. Let's go back to work, (laughs) you know, and they just expect um, our and they being our society as a whole, I feel like just expects us to rebound. And that breastfeeding is this beautiful, magical, natural experience. And while it may be natural, it's not always instinctual for people. And it's a very learned practice. So I love to just be transparent and be. open with all my clients that you just need to learn to give yourself grace because this could be super easy for you, but it could be really hard and that's okay. Um, But being open um, to receiving help is super important too. Yeah. And instead of struggling alone, ask for help, you know, and even if it's, if you don't want to ask your family and friends about it, you know, go to people like you that um, have that experience and can, um, definitely help guide you or maybe just put your mind at ease a little bit that there is uh ups and downs to the whole journey and you can embrace it as it comes too exactly day by day i hear that all the time (laughs) biggest thing i hear is you just wait erica (laughs) oh awesome i'm trying to think if there's any other things that um that we've talked about in the past that we haven't quite covered. Yeah. Or other stigmas. I feel like we hit a a lot like about the pain and about the freezer stash and things like that. Um, Trying to think if there's anything else that we should touch on. Do you have any other questions for me? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I feel like we could talk about breastfeeding in the newborn stage for 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that, the tricky thing is, is how, how different is. I feel like if anybody got anything away from this podcast is that don't hold yourself to any standard. Uh, Make sure that you understand that everybody is different. Every uh, mom is different. Every baby is different. And your journey, um, some things could be easier than others. And things like that. exactly so. yeah and the most important is learn to give yourself grace yeah. absolutely yes, yes well with that all being said i have a couple of wrap-up questions for you um that we always end the podcast with uh let's see here first one being what is your favorite health related book it doesn't have to be necessarily related to your profession or anything but sure um, maybe a book that you recommend to our listeners yeah so this one is breastfeeding related but the womanly art of breastfeeding um is a great companion to any lactation support um so that's great otherwise i just encourage moms to have um whether it's a great podcast 
a book, an audiobook to have to listen to while they're feeding because sometimes it's hard to stay awake, especially in those middle of the night feedings. So just finding something to keep yourself busy. Um, and really, I don't know if you've heard the rules, but you're supposed to spend like five days in bed, five days on the bed, five days near the bed to allow yourself for healing. So I just love grabbing all your things, books included, um, audiobooks, and just being comfy and cozy and having stuff to entertain yourself while you're resting. Yeah, you don't have to be go, go, go all the time, right? Yes. Like your body just did this amazing thing. It is okay to just be in your bedroom and be there for yes. three days. What about what is your favorite health related activity to do in Green Bay? Um, my favorite health related activity in Green Bay is definitely joining in like group fitness classes. And that's something that I had not done previously until I was a mom. Um, but it seriously is incredible to surround yourself with other women and other people who are different seasons of life than you and just encourage you to move your body in whatever way that looks for you and having no pressure. So that's been an awesome experience coming into motherhood. Have you been to the Campbell? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I've been to a couple of the title town ones. I know that they have some on the city deck. Um, and then fit moms on the move has a bunch in the Fox Valley and they also go to title town every once in a while. So, um, they've been a really great resource for me as well. That's awesome. Thank you. Get outside. Yeah. Well, and it's been great too. Yeah. And a lot of them, she loves to come and exercise with mom. It's great. Um, <laughs> last yeah. one for you what is one piece of advice you would give to our listeners yeah so again just giving yourself grace and I think it's something that can help us in every season of life right we need to learn to give ourselves grace and be patient with ourselves um, especially when we're learning new things so that's just my most important piece I love it, Abby. And uh, if people want to reach out to you, if they have questions or maybe want to learn more about you or even the services you offer, what's the best way to contact you? Um, so my email is abby.mclaughlin at malesmilkyway.org. Otherwise, if you go on any of my social media platforms, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, you can message me on there. Or my um, number is actually on those as well. And you can actually text me on that number. So whatever mode okay. looks best for you. Awesome. Thank you. And we'll definitely tag those. So thank you again, Abby, for coming on the podcast with us. We loved having you. And I hope um, that you all listeners got a little bit of information, um, maybe learned something as far as when it comes to the uh, breastfeeding journey or uh, feeding your baby in general. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to Abby as well. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. If you would like more information about us at Movement Performance and Rehab or information on one of our guests, or if you have a contact that would be a good guest for this podcast, please send us an email at info at mvmtgb.com. That's info at movementgb.com.